Marini's Media. Totally football show. It had to happen sooner or later. A remarkable blip in their relentless drive to the championship. But Norwich have won. And we'll talk about that and the weekend's other big stories too. Like Watford 3, Liverpool 0. Ooh, me so hornet. The hows, the whys, the Watfords of one of the biggest shocks of the season. Also, high Nuno, Wolves and Spurs in a shootout and so much more. Plus, the League Cup final. All in today's Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Bauer. Well, hello there, listener. Thank you so much for joining us as a new week gets underway. We've got uh, an exciting panel for you. Fresh in from Tottenham Wolves, Daniel Storey. Hello, James. Fresh back from Vicarage Road, Sasha Gurionov. Hello. And fresh back from the London Stadium and serving a season ban from using the words director of football, Carl Anker. Hi, Carl. Hello. Hi there. Lovely to see you all. Uh, everyone's got so much to talk about today because it's been that kind of weekend. Carl, you want to talk about Man United a bit later on. Uh, Sasha, you want to talk about Argentine uh, League Cup football? I can do, yes. Yeah, nice. And uh, what do you want to talk about, Daniel? Uh, I want to talk about Tottenham Wolves mainly, yeah? I suppose. All right. Yeah. Okay. Shall we begin? I, sorry, I, I, I like the way that Sasha tried to play that all coy and said, oh, if you want me to talk about that, I will. <laughs> right. Having pleaded to talk about it for the 20 minutes prior to recording. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, for one, am really curious to know what went on. Hey, Daniel, should we start with the actual silverware that was won this weekend by Pep Guardiola's Man City? Yeah, there you go. It was the Carabao Cup final. It was Man City against Aston Villa. And although for much of it, it was a little bit like Man City toying with their prey like a bored cat with a mouse or something, it ended in quite a thrilling fashion. No, 2-1 to City. Uh, That's uh, their sixth trophy in less than four seasons with Pep, which is remarkable. What did you make of the game then, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, it, it... It was played out like a Premier League game in so much as Manchester City dominated the ball, dominated territory and were sloppy at the back to give their opponents a chance. Um, Guardiola was very complimentary of their second half performance, which was slightly surprising because they basically created uh, no really obvious, other than Aguero, maybe had one clear cut chance in the second half. Other than that, they didn't really create clear chances, but as you say, toyed with Villa a little bit and yet continued to leave this back door unlocked with the key in it with their defending from set pieces and with their slight lapses in concentration and yes Mr Bravo tipped one of the post late on Redemption Redemption <laughs> The opening goal was from of course Sergio Aguero that's now 10 in his last 6 starts against Villa Rodri then headed in a second from a corner that actually should not have been mm-hmm. a corner but then Villa came back into the game just before half time Woof, what a header from Samata, but what a tumble from John Stones, Carl. Yeah, it was a curious one. He sort of not quite lost his footing, but if he was sort of a marionette puppet, just the so almighty strings just have been cut. <laughs> snip yeah. the strings. I'm worried about John Stones. He's really had, it's not a dip in form. It is now a pronounced slump and it's sort of, you worried that does he need a loan deal or does he, does he have to go to get some game time somewhere else to build his confidence back? Hmm. Because this is also a player in whom Guardiola put quite a lot of effort in his first season, like really micro-coaching him on the pitch and throughout all the games and just hasn't repaid back his faith at all. No, I'm not even sure if it's repay with the faith. It's obviously 
being a centre-back in the Guardiola system requires, Guardiola himself says, John Stone's had huge balls and he requires a, a huge amount of character and you're doing it in this very weird system right now. You're playing with Fernandinho who's in this quasi-hybrid DM slash centre-back role. Stones has always been best when he's playing along a more senior centre-back and there is no senior centre-back now since Vincent Kompany's left and he just looks a little bit more confused. At the death, as you say, Claudio Brava redemption, although it, it very nearly went went the other way. Yeah. But uh, but it stayed out the ball after mm. that flurry of late chances for for Villa and uh, and City won the, won the League Cup again. Yeah, third in a row, fifth in seven years. Um, Guardiola says he really likes the trophy he says he likes it it's a it's a way of giving players like Phil Foden starts in games that he really thinks matters I think one of the reasons he says it's really important is that when he does start players like Phil Foden they feel that they have got a genuine chance to impress rather than just playing well and then not being seen in the league team which is the worry with Foden but yeah he's very much made it his competition he also described their Community Shield win this season as, as the Super Cup win, which I like. I know that has history in Germany and, and Spain, but it's almost like Mourinho instructing his players to hold up extra fingers to make sure it counts as a trophy. But yeah, they, they are very good at that competition because of the depth in the squad. So it would be eight trophies then in four seasons with, with Community Shield stroke Super yes, Cups in there as well. Very, very impressive. Uh, Daniel, you tweeted that Douglas Louise has a picture of himself tattooed on his leg. Is that right? That's right, yeah. He has a, a picture of him in his Vasco da Gama It's definitely kit. him. It's not just a random Vasco. Well, I couldn't find out, but it, it looks exactly like him and it's wearing the kit of a club that he has played for. So right. I think That's we have to assume... Is of a tattoo of himself? As a kid, as a, looking as a, at Wembley yeah, Stadium, so yes. That's not the only a, one. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a, this was my dream and I made it, I think. Who was that? Sorry? Raheem Sterling. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Maybe this was uh, Douglas Louise's dream. Yeah. Maybe he was just a very, very well-developed kid. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Possibly so. Anyway, uh, League Cup final tick. Next up, I'm Hornet, I'm Hornet, 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 <laughs> to talk about the remarkable events at Vicarage Road. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. <laughs> That's right, Saturday tea time. Everyone was ready for Liverpool's record 19th win against a Watford side winless in five. Instead, three goals in 18 second-half minutes saw Liverpool's hopes of an unbeaten season torn up 44 games and out. What flipping happened? Well, we'll be talking about Liverpool shortly, Sasha. First off, let's hear from the voice there of Vicarage Road, Emma Saunders. Emma, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Poof, just appeared like that. I've got all the time in the world after a result like that. Have you? All <laughs> I right. Do, yeah. Well, so, you know, are a million thoughts racing through your mind still? Yeah, I think I'm still gathering them, to be honest. Uh-huh. It's hard to know where to begin. All right. Here's, here's one. Was it the greatest ever Hornets performance? Yeah. Was I it? I think it was. I have had time to reflect and think about that. And there's been a few big, big victories at Vicarage Road. The ones that come to mind against Manchester United, against Chelsea a couple of seasons ago at very critical times in the in the season. But this one, I think, blows it out of the water. Wow. We did what everyone's been trying to do. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you certainly did. The date, the 29th of February, is one you'll be celebrating every year. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we don't have to wait another four years. Yeah. So the... The game began 
with Dale LaFell looking threatening and then doing his knee. Yeah, that did not look good. He came past me actually on the stretcher and yeah, the whimpering that was coming out of him, it just Ooh. didn't sound very good. He had the oxygen mask, but yeah, he looked pretty tearful. And then we've learned today that it is his ACL. So rest of the season, he will be out for. Um, wow. But Roberto Pereira came in and did a brilliant job. So fingers crossed that he hasn't peaked in that game and that he can keep it up for the rest of the season because Delefeo, there's no denying he's a big part of that Watford team and what we can do. So, right. Yeah. But uh, Ismail Assar, your record signing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. His price tag's just gone even further up as well. Would you it? guys pay, what, 30 million for him or something? Yeah. But he's been very under the radar despite he being has. your big and you purchase. Know, even when we brought him in, I remember speaking to a couple of journalists that had seen him play uh, at Wren and they were saying he's a bit lightweight like he's you know he's pretty skillful we can see what he can do now but I was a bit worried about that because we've done that a few times brought players in it's taken them time to you know really get used to the Premier League um, and what English football is all about but fortunately he's got into it pretty quickly Mm. well relatively speaking and he's coming up with the goods I mean you saw in that little gap we've had recently without him just the difference he can make as soon as he's back in we get this massive win over Liverpool so right because I was going to say you were beaten 3-0 last weekend at Old Trafford now you beat Liverpool 3 yeah. where did this come from but Ismail Assar that's where it came from I think so yeah. yeah I mean there was a gaping hole in that Watford side that went up to Villa Park and lost 2-1 when mm. he was missing he just completely stretches the pitch. This Watford team looks totally different with him in it. When we had him um, under the likes of Sanchez, Flores and Gracia, he was being played slightly out of position. But to see him now properly out on the wing, it's, it's so damaging what he can do to other teams. And you saw it yesterday against Liverpool. Yeah, he's basically turned into Watford's, Watford's home. He demands the ball. And as you say, I mean, stretches the play and terrorises defences, which means that Dini Not gets sure extra that space. Yeah. comparison is as complimentary as it used to be, actually. Uh, no, maybe not. But well, Sarah is in is in better form than Zaha. Yeah. But it's more about the ability to create space for, for example, Jordan Ayew against Brighton. So. And fair, I think actually fair. the fact that he is perhaps a little bit lightweight actually goes in his favour because no one wants to go near him in the eighteen yard box either. There was that thing when Mane was speaking to Dini to look after him after the uh, yeah. after the game at, at Anfield. Has Dini been looking after him? I think so. Yeah, there's certainly been a, a metaphorical one put around him. And after the game yesterday. Um, he was very, very complimentary of Saar. You know what Dini's like, he doesn't give away compliments too easily. So. <laughs> unless it's about himself, yeah. yeah, yeah you, about so himself. you were announcing as usual, Emma. Yeah. yeah. In the Watford dugout, I had Jorelio Gomez on the other side of the glass uh-huh. and he was so animated and then a few feet in front of him, you've got Nigel Pearson, which it doesn't matter if we're 5-0 down or 3-0 up, he kind of looks the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Jurgen Klopp, though, he kind of just had this grin on his face the whole time as if to say... I've got to take my hat off. This is a great Watford side. And before the end of the game, before the final whistle, he actually took time to go over to Nigel Pearson and, t- and shake his hand there and then. Because I think he kind of wanted to give him that moment away from the cameras. Um, Unfortunately, and, the cameras were on him. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And on me making several faces in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, your announcements of goals grew louder and louder as I could hear from they the way end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you start doing the German one where you shout the first name <laughs> and the whole round goes, <laughs> Decibel Saunders. Uh, a Liverpool win would have put them 25 points clear, which would have been more than Watford's entire points haul if they'd won. Just to put in perspective. Just a bit of perspective, yeah, yeah, bring us back down to earth. You're out of the bottom three now on goal difference. Uh, are your problems over? Well, no, you know, still 10 matches to go, but I just think the advantage is we had 11 games to go and actually we were looking upon it as we had nine to go because Liverpool and Man City don't count when you're a Watford fan. However, we've just got three points out of thin air. Yeah. Um, 
So that is massive. And now it is an advantage we can build. And I think I'm right in saying that we play Crystal Palace before West Ham next play. Mm. So there's a chance then to make the gap even bigger. Mm. And they will go to Crystal Palace now, I think, with some confidence. And Crystal Palace, more or less out the woods after this weekend. So you'd hope the cigars are out there. They're on the beach. Well... Yeah, fingers crossed that's the case anyway. Um, but I think the team know there's a long way to go, but you look at it now and think three more wins and a draw should do it. Pearson doesn't strike as a type of personality to allow players to rest on their laurels after one win, does he? I mean, no. they might get another spa day out of it, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Emma, what was the best bit of the evening for you? I'll tell you what the funniest bit of the evening was. When we came down into the tunnel before the game, um, you know you think the players are probably gathering their thoughts, seriously getting in the zone in the dressing room. And apparently there was a problem with the speaker in the dressing room. And it meant that Sean Paul temperature was just on repeat. I went upstairs and um, got some food and 25 minutes later I came back down and the same song was still playing. And uh, yeah, the security guard in the dressing room said there's some kind of technical glitch. So perhaps that was the secret, Sean Paul. Was this the new turning the heating up in their dressing room? There we go. Give them the Sean Paul. There we go. So um, I think Sean Paul will now provide the soundtrack to the rest of our season. And if we stay up, I mean, it's only fitting. Love Island did it. We can get him at Vicarage Road. <laughs> nice. I've no idea what you're talking about, but thank you so much, <laughs> Emma, for being with us this evening. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Yes, hopefully with more good news. Well, Liverpool, Sasha, when, when you lose, you lose. That was the biggest defeat by a leading side against a bottom three team in more than three decades. Yeah, so since 85, isn't it? Uh, This is the biggest Liverpool defeat in 860 days as well since they lost 4-1 at Spurs. And it's the first Liverpool defeat in, what, 400 and something days? It's been a long, long time. Um, But how they lost it? Well, in the first half, as I was sat in the press uh, area, it was the top of the Elton John stand, I was cold, I was bored. It was te- The first half was absolutely terrible. Nothing happened apart from poor De La Feo, uh, I think, rupturing his ACL. Um, so for the second half, I thought, well, I'll go and I'll stand with, you know, I'll, I'll get warm with my people. So I went in the way end. Um, next to producer Ben, actually, and his right, brother. Yeah. And his brother gave me a scarf, which kept me really, really warm. So thank you to him. Unfortunately, what, um, what happened on the pitch wasn't as heartwarming as that for a Liverpool fan. However, I have to say that Troy Deeney, play the blinder. Troy Deeney, who scored two goals in open play in 50 matches against big six sides coming into this match, against Dejan Lovren, who has actually done unsurprisingly all right um, as a Liverpool centre-back, and he destroyed him. And he destroyed the whole of the Liverpool defence with him. So so was it was it Lovren in for Gomez? Was it the absence of Henderson? Or was it the fact that Liverpool's heads just weren't really at it for once? I, th- I think this is where, for example, Henderson's important to make sure that everyone's heads are at it when right. he's on the pitch. But also the same... But not only that... One of one of the many things mm. that he does. So I, th- I think a game like the one we saw on Saturday needed Henderson. But I thought what Dini did was very interesting because he wasn't doing it from the very start. He basically started standing on Lovren's toes in his face in the injury time in the first half. And Lovren won a header and went, yeah, I got away with this. Completely lost his concentration and Dini actually nearly scored. And then he just carried on doing that. And he would, he would basically muscle him. He would like elbow into him, Lovren would be outraged. Oh my God, what is this man doing? And every time he'd lose the challenge and every time there would be a hole in Liverpool defence and every time Van Dijk will desperately try to cover it or not cover it and be late to close this gap. So that was what was going on at that end. Mm. But, but what about at the other where Liverpool, who had over 70% possession, fashioned one shot on target? We have seen this before, uh, especially after the winter break. Uh, for example, the first hour at Norwich yeah. where I went a couple of weeks ago, Liverpool didn't create very much at all. But at Norwich, they put on Sadio Mane, who finally tore out 
basically changed the game. This time around, I thought Watford defended very deep, very well. I'd, again, I think we had, we're getting a situation where Firmino had no space to move. Um, I think the channels for the fullbacks to cross were closed as well. Actually, an interesting thing also happened towards the end of the first half. Um, uh, Dini basically clattered Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, nothing was even done for it. It wasn't reviewed. And I think I think there was potentially a card in there. And overall, Liverpool created one chance early in the second half when it actually came out with a bit of purpose. But as soon as the goal started hitting, I think they just could not quite rouse themselves. And by the end, it was fairly shambolic. I mean, Klopp kept on putting on attacking players. It was a, sort of a 4-2-4. Lallana hit the post. But the win was so comprehensive. Um that uh, you know, it's it, it was it was almost baffling. I think it's really interesting you mentioned Lovren's impact because it's not just the fact that Lovren, lol, Bantz, he's not very very good, but also Gomez's very unique interpretation of being Van Dijk's centre back partner. So this was first brought up by the gentleman, the Anfield rap. But Liverpool are doing a bit of the Burnley in terms of defending, especially on crosses now, where they've equated they're going to play 60 games a season. So Gomez isn't naturally going to challenge strikers now for crosses and for aerial balls. What he's doing is a very Burnley thing where he will drop off and just cover one half of the goal uh-huh. and then leave another half of Alisson Becker. So you're getting this thing of, we're going to let the opposition get shots away, but you're only really going to shoot half the goal and we're going to trust Becker to do that. When Gomez isn't there, you've got Lovren, you know, tiptoes with, and the whole system falls apart because you've got one centre-back that is playing a very traditional centre-back role. Lovren's never been the best defender in a high line, never really been good at this. And this, So it's all falling apart because Van Dijk's like, no, mate, you're meant to get back. We've got... like 20 hours up the pitch. Exactly. And it's... I also think it's something that England, that Gareth Southgate might look at because in Harry Maguire, we have that big defender. And if John Stones isn't going to play and Gomez is, which sounds more and more likely... I think it's probably interesting to see if they do exactly the same thing, particularly if, if Dean Henderson plays instead of Pickford, who is very much a, I think he's a more natural fit for that in terms of blocking that side of the goal. It would be interesting to see if England looked at the same thing. What I'm saying is Sean Dyche is going to win England Euro 2020. <laughs> he's secretly the best international manager since Antonio Conte. Well, you know, In the same way of Conte when he just played blocks of the Juventus team it in that Italy side, Sean Dyche. Should do that one day. All right. Sasha, though, 44 games unbeaten, uh, but to the delight of uh, some people in North London, it came to an end. How, how do you feel now that the dust has settled? Disappointing that it ended, but how, how do you feel? I, I think, you know, as, as a fan and journalist, you want the records. It's so interesting. It's like, you know, you want this mi- milestones. And I mean, I've been looking, comparing to the records of other teams throughout mm. history, and Liverpool have been surpassing them. But I get the impression last few weeks that. Whenever Liverpool players, staff, coaches get spoken to about this record, they're just like, just, just shut up. This, this, it's, it's just like, there's too many questions about this record. Of course, as we discussed before the show, you know, since the league is, is, is being long gone, you know, mm. it's natural to talk what about it. Talk about? Yeah. But I think, the, I, I think Liverpool players and staff are probably for them. It's almost maybe a weight off their shoulders now that you can actually return to talking about actual games and you know and how like to win the did team. say after the West Ham game on Instagram we are still unbeaten so he can't mm. he can't pretend he wasn't <laughs> talking about it because it's on his Instagram there were screenshots <laughs> but every time they have to go out and deny I think and, this defeat yeah. is on the whole good for Liverpool puts a little bit of a rocket up there it gives thank God it gives Liverpool writers something new to write about because you're like oh. it certainly made the post-match yesterday very, on Saturday mm. sorry, very very interesting mm. they're, they're just new narratives mm. there I think they'll probably you know, understand what they need to do. Probably will play better against Atletico Madrid now. They're not too. And maybe Chelsea on Tuesday. All right. Well, loads more to discuss beyond the events at Vicarage Road because, of course, all three of the relegation zone teams won this weekend, or at least going back to Friday when Norwich beat third place Leicester. And then, of course, you had West Ham 
Saints, gutting for Norwich, as, as many have pointed out, that having drawn back to within four points of safety, they're then sorry everybody else go and win and <laughs> render their, mm. uh, their, their achievement null and void. Uh, a remarkable performance, that, though. Yeah, and, and uh, if, with all due credit to Norwich's performance, more worry for Brendan Rodgers, I mm. think. Um, I'm going to their, their FA Cup tie this week, and boy, does he need a win, because they've taken 12 points from 12 league games. They've not scored in 300 minutes of football. Yes, they were out Jamie Vardy, and yes, they were out Yuri Tielemans, but it, it does just seem like, without Wilfred and Didi, mm. everyone else is having to drop back. And there we go. I think I talked about that last Monday, but well. how you perform in a season and how you make up your season affects your reputation. If you start fast and go slow, yeah. people remember that as a bottle job. Right. Can we talk a little bit about Jamal Lewis uh, and his wonderful goal, which was his first ever in the league, was also Norwich's first goal from open play in the Premier League since New Year's Day. He returned to the team against Liverpool, actually, because I think Byram uh, pulled his hamstring. Uh, so Lewis came on and that was I was actually really impressed with Norwich against Liverpool two weeks ago the way they defended 4-4-2 okay they didn't create very much but defensively they were really sound I mean really sound for a team especially at the bottom of the league mm-hmm. and I'm surprised actually that they haven't scored uh, in open play since New Year's because I mean they, they do look like a good footballing side and I, I love the way that they, the way he hit the ball it went around Schmeichel into the corner and also the fact that it came from the other fullback there's something yeah. poetic in scoring fullback to fullback they're having a fun farewell to yeah them. Well, the thing, the thing is, Farke after the Liverpool game said we need to win six and eleven because last game is against uh, Man City. Well, it's on. It's now only five and nine. Mm. So, and it's it's a lovely place to go. I hope Mats. they stay up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, a lovely place to go and visit is the London Stadium, where you went, Carl <laughs> Anker, on Saturday. See West Ham taking on the Saints, getting their traditional victory over Southampton. Yep, uh, Ralph Hustle is now four games, four defeats against West Ham. Right. West Ham play four four two against Southampton because they realise Southampton's centre backs are really, really nervous when you play top front. So. Oh, so this big route one, two big lads up top thing, that's just against Southampton, is it? Or do you think that's going to so, be the way forward for Moyes? Moyes, in, Moyes is 11 games in charge. He's only played Hilaire and Antonio twice, and this right. is the second incident. But and then think- I asked Moyes directly after the game, mm. tell me more about that teamwork. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, Manuel played the two boys up front and they won at St. Mary's. So, yeah. I th- so it was in my thinking. I was like, oh, blimey. But they look so good. Mm. Will he not keep doing that? Yeah, they they should will, yeah. keep doing that, yeah. but I don't think, obviously, coming from the big bad boys at the Athletic and I'm in conversation with everyone else, I don't think Moyes quite trusts Mikel Antonio. Okay. Um, so he very often, I think he wants to play, you know, bring in Bowen and, and have him with Hilaria right. a bit more. But he should absolutely play two up top because they threw in 16 crosses, loads of corners, loads of direct balls, and Southampton could not deal with it. Right. Jared Bowen, did you get a chance to speak to him at the end? I unfortunately did not. I, he looks so happy, Carl. I, was, I mean, not about that, <laughs> but just in general, he looked so I, made up I was too goal. bogged down trying to explain joie de vivre to David Moyes. So, oh. uh, <laughs> as, in, as in the phrase joie de vivre to David Moyes. Right. Um, I, I shouldn't have said that word when, when trying to ask him a question. So you said to him, West Ham have got the joie de vivre back? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and he said, what's that? Okay, what did you say then? I said, as, as, I went, you know, is the, is the joie de vivre back? Sorry, what was that? Um, is the feel-good factor back? Okay, feel-good factor. Because <laughs> right. I've always wondered. I, okay, think, I think Moyes will probably carry on being more attacking because he got a deserved flack for their sacrifice against Manchester City and got deserved praise for their intent against Liverpool. And I think if Moyes is a man who, to be say delicately, he likes to feel that he's gaining 
um, brownie points. He wants really? to, yeah, and I think he needs them at the moment. I don't, you know, with the, how that support is, I think he needs that. Yes. So it'd be silly not to keep attacking. They've still got three home games against bottom six sides, I think. So, yeah, I think he should. Home games very much that are going to be played in the shadow of what looks to be protests from the home fans before each game as well. Yeah, so they're in, they're in a very precarious position, West Ham. I've, I've been on this show before and I said the problem with West Ham is the owners refuse to understand they own West Ham. But win, winning is the best cure. Southampton, though. In that weird place where they want to play a really high-pressing game, but anyone that plays two up top has a weakness. So they've lost to Burnley that played in a 4-4-2. They lost to Wolves after Wolves went from a 3-4-3 into a 3-4-1-2 when they moved Troyer up front. They've lost to Newcastle in December when... Steve Bruce went, hang on, I should just put Andy Carroll up top. Um, and they play Newcastle next week. It's one of those things where Hassel wants to play this very pronounced Germanic Bundesliga-style form, but if he plays against English meat and potatoes, the whole thing just falls apart. It's weird because almost his most important players, it feels like, is a, more of an outside than you at the moment, Carl, but it feels like Shane Long in that he's this running, pressing, working, even at 32, 33. It, it's odd that he's turned into that really good pressing weapon to create chances for rings, and yet he's struggling against exactly that type of player. In, in the same way England in the early two, England national team in the early 2000s had Emil Heskey who was vital for earning up space but also Heskey would just miss very mm. presentable chances. Yeah. That's what Southampton has where in games like that where you know a West Ham or against Burnley or whatever we'll just go oh, we'll just play in a low block so Long can flick the ball on to no one. Mm. You, you, there's just huge spaces. Mm. Danny Ings little calf injury as well. Ward Prowse isn't playing his best position after we finally found out his best position. Well, they're they're going to limp across the line to Premier League safety, I think. Long beaten by long ball in, in this one. <laughs> West Ham moving out of the bottom three on goal difference. They do have a tricky run coming up, though. In the next four, they've got Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea, plus the visit of Wolves. Uh, how difficult will those London sides be and Wolves? Well, we'll be talking about how they got on this weekend after this. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Right, who's excited about the race for fourth slash fifth? Yep, me too. Uh, Chelsea, who got held uh, at Bournemouth, holding on to fourth for the moment, only three points behind them are Man United and Wolves, who were winners away at uh, Tottenham Hotspur this weekend. If Sheffield United win their game which didn't take place this weekend, uh, they will go into fifth place. Or they would be fifth as they had just won. Anyway, they're in the mix. That's the point. Uh, Daniel Wolves. Mm. Sounds like quite a game uh, that you witnessed at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as they came back twice against Mourinho's Spurs. Your headline, no player epitomises this Tottenham team better than Serge Aurier. Yeah, it's a bit of a riff on, on Pep Guardiola's... 2017, the Harry Kane team. I think mm. Tottenham have become the Serge Aurier team in that they are entertaining, fascinating, but ultimately infuriating. And 
I've been to see them three times at home recently, and today was the loudest they've been booed off. Oh, really? And they were. <laughs> well, the thing is, is it, 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 and this sounds very uncharitable to Jose Mourinho, but it feels as if everything good happens seems to sort of happen to them, and everything that they do badly is because of their own incompetence. Their defending today was was abysmal. He played Eric Dyer as a centre back, and it did not work. Um, and yeah, they look really open to the counter attack. Diogo Jota and, and Raúl Jiménez again are a joy to watch they really are and they are a, a better team at defending and attacking than Tottenham at the moment they were a bit more positive were they this time Spurs uh, yeah they, they started off really well scored the first goal but then they sat back and the problem is is that I think I've said on here on before but we normally expect a Jose Mourinho team or a newly managed Mourinho team to be resolute and solid at the back they haven't got that as a, as a platform so they're sort of having to build everything on sand without that and that's not what Mourinho's used to mm. so yeah they try and sit back and then the opposition score so they try and push on and the opposition counter on them and there isn't there isn't really a solid basis to to get results I think that's their sick 3-2 under Jose Mourinho which is mad really <laughs> you could actually get a 3-2 or a 2-0 because I mean you're, you're talking about them um, uh, about them being an Aurea team mm. I mean I, I went to see them last week at Chelsea I mean, Aurea team would be a really terrible description. <laughs> yeah. They were they were wretched. Yeah, at least and they tried. Really, really boring. Time. And I think one thing that struck me, for example, against Chelsea, like the front three looked like they've never even yeah. trained together. Was it the same case today? Yeah, I mean, he played Delhi as a as a sort of false nine with with Bergvine and, and Mora left and right, and it was slightly better. But it's easy to extrapolate manager comments and focus in on them, hone in on them. And as a journalist, we probably do it too much. But last week, Jose Mourinho said, I wish the season was over. <laughs> uh, it's not a great message to send to a team that's still in three competitions, is it? He just kept repeating himself yeah. to national broadcasters, to, to local journalists, to everybody. I'm like, what do you say to your players in the change room? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I know, as I say, he might be saying something completely different. In fact, he might be saying to the players, this is what I'm going to say to take the pressure off you. But I don't think that's what he's saying. Mm. And it's such an odd thing to do because, mm. yeah, he said after the game, the attack, the missing attackers was not the reason we lost today. But then he also said it was a, a totally unfair result. But... Yeah, they've got, he's got some work to do because it isn't good at all at the moment. All right, Wolves, meanwhile, their season far from over, romping away uh, with this one and also through to the last 16 in the Europa League where they've got Olympiakos. Mm, amazing. We're going to be amazing. talking about the Europa League draw a little bit later on and Olympiakos. Stay tuned for that, Arsenal fans. But, but, but Wolves' performance... Yeah. with about three players just continues to amaze. Yeah, and you look at but you look at the team and of course they're going to perform. Neves and Moutinho are a brilliant combination in midfield. The two fullbacks, Ruben Venegra has been a, you know, a revelation since he's come in for for Johnny. Uh, Matt Doherty continues to play. Adama Traore is Adama Traore and is is the player I would pay the most money to watch in the Premier League at the really? moment. Yeah, he's oh, he's he's, he's everything. He's everything you want. He he's completely unpredictable. He still has tendencies for that Middlesbrough Traore where he beats four men and then knocks the ball out of play. But yeah, they they they're fantastic to watch. They really are. They're so tactically fluid as well. They have at least three formations and shapes they can change into within maybe an hour. You're like, right, this isn't working. We'll move Trevor here. We'll move Trevor to the left. We'll move to the right. We can drop Neto down into the 10 as well, which mm. which means they should not be fearful of any team in the Premier League or indeed in the Europa League as well. Who would you pay the most money to watch in the Premier League, Sasha? At the moment? Yes. <laughs> Carl, how about you? San Maximan. Yeah. In, in, the same, in the same sort of trailer way of just any time that 
young man gets the ball at his feet, what are you going to do? Because he doesn't know what he's going to do. Mm. I think Traore knows a bit better now because obviously I uh, wrote him off at the start of the season, but he he's improved so much this year. It's extraordinary. So, I mean, you say there is still a tendency to sometimes go to Middlesbrough, mm. Traore, but I think they're becoming rarer and rarer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this tactical flexibility where you can play him in about three positions up front, surely is an absolute nightmare for any defence that's facing them. The, the best way to describe Moors is that wh- wherever they turn over possession on the pitch, and generally it's, it's, it's deep because they don't press that high, they want to score a goal. They're, they're constantly looking for the move that scores a goal. They're not looking to play it safe every now and then. Everything that happens, if they win the ball high, they look to score a goal. If they get a set piece, they think, right, we can score a goal from this. They're constantly looking to score a goal. And that that can only be the manager's philosophy. I am amazed that he hasn't been approached by bigger clubs than Wolves at the moment, which sounds <laughs> a horrible thing to say. But They're getting I'm quite big, though, are they not? clubs haven't been yeah. in for Jimenez as well, because Jimenez is in the same way early Harry Kane was. It just mm. I'm quick, I'm able to hold the ball up, and I can get a shot off whenever. Have Jimenez they, is in the very similar way. Haven't they just permanently signed him only last summer? So yeah, probably, he would, he would yeah. cost a lot of yeah. money, I think. But so they're sixth, but they're potentially going to be in the Champions League next year. Could that be a reason why, you know, given the kind of backing that he presumably has there, the, the yeah, kind of friendly he, environment? Well, he, he's useful for to have. I, I think one of the reasons he hasn't moved to a big club properly, to answer my own <laughs> question, is that he likes a small squad. He okay. said that before. He, he likes a close-knit squad, which at big clubs in many competitions, I think there would be a, a fear that, of burnout which he in his defence he's we've not seen at Wolves so far this season but yes they are a a superb team to watch they really are playing simultaneously on Sunday were Everton and Man United who are equally involved in the the race for Champions League places a sporadically fun 1-1 draw at Goodison Park started with a goalkeeping calamity from David De Gea who assisted Everton's opener by essentially kicking straight into Calvert-Lewin's outstretched outstretched boot uh, prompting the wrath of uh, Roy Keane at halftime. Did you see his halftime analysis, which he said basically, "I would have lynched him." <laughs> yeah. But the, I think oh, one of the problems it's good there to is he's afraid it, it doesn't have any awful yeah, connotations. Yeah, that's true, actually, good point. <laughs> since the seventh error of leading to a goal since the start of last season, and which seventh. equals which I equals think, Dubravka. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, I think it also equals Burton Leno. That can be slightly misleading in that you've got a goalkeeper like Kepper who is way, ranks way down on that, but he also just mm. doesn't save shots that you want him to save. But right. yeah, I agree. It was a nonsense. But, 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 but the situation today, I mean, he wasn't even under any pressure. He just waited for that long that Calvert Lewin just had to go over and close him down. Um, and also, I think we'll get to the goal that was scored and was disallowed in injury time. Right. He didn't really do very well on that either. It's like, I th- to be honest, looking at the hair here, I, t- I try not to mention Liverpool too much, but uh, we had the thing with Pepe Reina uh, back in the day, who was superb. And then he, as the team collapsed around him, he just lost interest. Yeah. And I think this is you possible. Feel there's a little bit of that. Mm. Seven errors leading to goals, which is the same number that the TV coverage were assigning to Jordan Pickford. Yeah, yeah I, won't, so I won't say it. So Jordan Pickford, is, <laughs> Jordan Pickford is a mix of David de Gea's mistakes and Kepa's mistakes. In okay. that he makes mistakes that lead to a goal, but he also doesn't shave shots. That you know, there's this meme about him having very small arms, but when he when he doesn't it, when he doesn't it, set himself to then get the dive, it did look in, as if yeah, it but, did look as if if he properly outstretched an arm yeah. you would have saved that very good shot from Bruno Fernandes Sasha will know more than me but I think it comes down to how he plants his feet and therefore his dives look quite small I, I, th- I think that I, th- I think just technically he doesn't seem to do things right but I think the thing with hands the reason it looks so rubbish is because I think his hands I mean okay he obviously does guest coaches I think they're just in the wrong place I mean because if your hands may say are maybe are by your sides and you're trying to save something above your head mm. this whole movement is uncontrolled well this this scenario involved a goal kick from Everton then being squandered yeah. by 
It was uh, uh, Sidibe, I think. Yeah, someone lost it midfield. Yeah, just come on. And Bruno Fernandes picks it up, and he's, he's a distance out, but he... He decides to have a go, and the ball basically bounces under underneath. Uh, Pickford. It's like it's Pickford half because his hands are like a fraction of a second too late, but visibly too late. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he should be saving that. Okay. Man, man of the match, Dean Henderson, because yeah. both for club and country, on merit, he should be challenging David de Gea for very match talented, number yeah. one. Very talented. Gareth Southgate was in attendance at Goodison Park rather than being at the mm-hmm. Carabao Cup final. Both teams. It's like an exercise in baking without scales. They've got kind of the right ingredients, but the right measurements aren't there, so both teams just look a bit undercooked and a bit flat. What a nice analogy, Carl. Thank you very much. Uh, the curious thing is both keepers did pull off uh, decent saves at the end, no? mm. uh, potentially game-saving uh, saves. Uh, Pickford on, uh, what was that one? That was Igalo at the death, and then also De Gea on Sigurdsson. Mm. But you want to talk about that goal that was disallowed, which eventually saw Carlo Ancelotti shown a red card. Yeah, so I think we, I don't quite understand how many games he's going to miss now, but presumably Chelsea is definite, yeah, I and think then that's maybe right. potentially something after that as well. Okay. Could miss that derby. So the the goal was uh, disallowed because uh, who was lying on the ground? Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson, yeah. Sigurdsson fell right. over, right, mm. and was essentially blocking the line of sight of De Gea. Yeah, I think it's one of those that I think I agreed with it. I think that's fair enough. I mm. mean, although he doesn't touch the ball, I think if you're a goalkeeper. If the, if you can see someone on the floor, I can see how that would be distracting. And if it's if if it's seen as a distraction, it's seen as being active and therefore offside. So I can see why it was given. I, I do agree with this, except that it, he doesn't block. I, I think no, he's no, no. a distraction no. by being there. Yeah, yeah. But still, De Gea still gets completely wrong-footed by the deflection. Yeah, I don't think um, he would have but, saved yeah. it, but it, I think it was the right mm. decision. Carlo Ancelotti was in a, f- a feisty mood, actually, throughout the game. At one point, I had to be uh, visibly restrained by Duncan Ferguson in a bit of a, you know... Everton. Duncan Ferguson. Bite dogs. If Duncan no, Ferguson is physically <laughs> restraining well, you. Actually, because <laughs> I was speaking to a nameless former footballer, but who knows Duncan Ferguson very well, and said he's the shyest man you would ever meet off the pitch. It's just that, really, yeah, it's just that on the pitch he had this thing when he played. He scored the, the two teams he scored the most goals against Duncan Ferguson were Manchester United and Liverpool. Mm. He just got so angry for these big games, but just didn't really score against lesser sides because he's just so meek at any other time. He doesn't look meek. No, he doesn't. I mean, you see him on the touchline, and but quite often that's the case with right. with aggressive footballers. He have this sort of persona. No, but even as a manager, he doesn't come across as particularly timid and withdrawn what triggers you what turns you Carl into a raging a hormonal beast um, foul throws really get me like, <laughs> I thought he was going to say social injustice but foul throws foul th- the, that's the one I yell about the most about in the really? press box is foul throw foul throw foul, why is no one pinging it nobody cares Carl I know nobody cares <laughs> it's, it's... Um, Man United though hey I make that eight games unbeaten with only two goals conceded in that run one of them of course mm. coming through that astonishing De Gea era now we've been we've been led down the garden path by managers before, but it really looks like with Bruno Fernandes arriving, or, or for some reason, things have come together for you that that the cake is finally going to be coming out of the oven the way you want it. No, I'm I'm, I'm not falling for it till I win three games in a row. Wow, eight games unbeaten, just two goals conceded in that not, run. Not a until great Europa League performance. You smashed Watford three 0 last weekend, and they did Liverpool three 0 Drew one one. Not not falling for it. I've been here before. I'm right. not doing this. Okay. McTominay side footing it into bottom corner <laughs> from just outside the box. McTominay oh. would have only been a squad player under Ferguson. That's not a slight. That um, no. Midfield diamond today. Tactical flexibility. Midfield diamond only works when you have good on rushing fullbacks and Luke Shaw is not one of them he's 24 <laughs> somehow it is remarkable isn't it alright Carl we're, we're, we're bravely done 
Uh, we'll move on then, because down by the seaside, Bournemouth and Chelsea were having a 2-2 draw. How should Chelsea fans respond to this one? They pulled back a point at the end, but they also had taken the lead in the first place and looked completely dominant and then had uh, two goals that they conceded in, what, oh, three minutes, mm. I think. Yeah, they... When you're trying to build confidence again after that Bayern hammering, it's not the best. It feels like, and I, I am completely on board with Giroud starting now, particularly as it seems that Tammy Abraham has suffered a setback, but it, it feels like they're going to need to learn a completely new system to do that. Marcus Alonso is their top league scorer in 2020, and he's played 180 minutes for them. Uh, that is not good enough. This system does allow him to get a bit further forward, but they're just not creating enough. Mason Mount's not quite there. Christian Pulisic's been out for a while. Hudson Doyle's not really playing at the moment. There's just not, there doesn't seem to be a cohesive attacking system. Also, I have this problem with um, Lampard going with three at the back because after the um, after them they won at Spurs. Uh, with him on three at the back, da, da, da. he was like, this is a specific system for a specific opponent. We'll practice this for a week. And I was like, yes, this is specific. And then he just carried on playing it yeah. against random teams, which against didn't suit them. Again, three at the back against Spurs last week. Yeah, it worked. It's fine. Why should it be working against Bournemouth? I don't quite understand. And then he brought in Tamori, who looked very undercooked. Yeah. Um, and I, I, think, I, think he, I think he likes it because it, it allows, obviously, Alonso to push forward. But it, it doesn't really suit anyone else. It doesn't really weirdly it doesn't really suit Reese James at the moment who's been Chelsea's best player this season probably they've got a very quiet mm. selection of defenders yeah. so when you watch when you watch the Chelsea game like Christensen far too quiet Tomori's quite quiet there's very I think Rudiger's the one who goes you stand there you move left and move right and it's that problem of lack of seniority in like key personnel mm. which is why back four doesn't quite work and then it only really kind of clicks when someone reminds Rudiger it's your job you shout I spoke to uh, Christensen after the win against Spurs and he's just a really nice man. But I was looking and going, how on earth are you a centre-half at one of the top teams in the Premier League? I mean, he's he's obviously he's a cultured footballer, but he's, I don't know, it's like more, I would expect more in your face personality, that sort of thing. <laughs> he Playing for Chelsea. Yeah. in the face <laughs> in the mix zone, <laughs> like that. He's very quiet. Yeah. Like, I will, you rarely hear him say stuff like man on or left yeah. on right, which is is all the difference when you're trying to get in the Champions League spaces. It's just song, song like, just move. Which is why Liverpool need Even Henderson at that level, back. Carl. Especially yeah. at that level. Especially at that level. Uh, for now, Chelsea remain in fourth place, although they are only three points ahead of the chasing pack. Bournemouth, meanwhile, drop into the bottom three on goal difference. Their level on points with Watford and West Ham. Brighton, who we'll talk about very shortly, only a point better off. Sasha. I was going to mention Ramsdale and goal for Bournemouth. Uh, oh, yeah. Another amazing game. Just a really, really good quality goalkeeper. Yeah. I think they had a bit of a sort of indecisive few years with their goalkeepers. Uh, but now that Ramsdale's between the sticks, oh, this is doing so, so well. Listeners, it's time to say hello to today's sponsors, Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh takes the hassle out of meal planning and food shopping by delivering top quality fresh pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. And with step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe guides, you can cook delicious meals in next to no time, whether you're a dab hand in the kitchen or a complete novice. So say goodbye to those post-work dashes to the supermarket, sauces from a jar and ready meals blitzed in the microwave. Instead, get your chops around HelloFresh's 10-minute pulled chicken feta and black bean tacos, their delicious Sri Lankan fish curry with fluffy jasmine rice, or my favourite, Sicilian-style penny caponata with sausage meat and aubergine. Mmm... 
Whether you're cooking for a family, need a balanced 600-calorie veggie dish for one, or looking to try something new, with 21 different recipes to choose from each week, HelloFresh has something for everyone. So for the simple way to cook fresh, head to hellofresh.co.uk and use the offer code TOTALLYFOOTBALLSHOW to get 50% off your first box and then 35% off your next three boxes. That's 50% off your first box and 35% off your next three boxes at hellofresh.co.uk when you enter the Totally Football Show with no spaces. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Let me just interrupt all the Premier League stuff to say if you haven't seen the incredible Jordan Flores goal for Dundalk against Shamrock Rovers, mm. uh, then make time to do so at your earliest convenience. Carl, have you seen it? I have not. Oh, oh really? Oh. It needs a it needs a sort of Mortal Kombat soundtrack <laughs> placed over the top of it because it is a. I mean, he volleys it higher than his head. So there's a corner from yeah. Michael Duffy, and it's a big corner. He's right on the on the kind of far corner of the of the of the, of the box, and this this ball comes in at what six seven foot height? Yes, it's like yeah, six and a half foot height. And he gets his foot up in a kind of kung fu move without leaving the ground. I think mm-hmm. yes, and absolutely hammers it in. Nice. From it's there. sort of it, the best way to describe it is like a tennis smash, isn't it? Mm. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. how it really looks foot. like, but but with your left foot above your head. It's yeah. Incredible. The one thing about it is that the coverage isn't great. So the replays, I feel like there's a couple more replays I'd really like to see of it. Yeah. You can't quite capture exactly how we managed to get. There's one from behind the other goal, isn't there? Which oh, is, is there? I've not 80 seen yards, that. 80 yards away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's fabulous. Uh, speaking of foreign football, Sasha, hasn't there been some interesting stuff in Argentine oh, cup Ar- Argent- football? Well, the reason I actually brought the, uh, brought the cup up is to mislead you all. Oh, uh, because oh. um, the regular season is actually coming towards a very exciting conclusion. Because in going into last round of games, um, after the results of this weekend... Uh, River Plate and Boca Juniors are one point apart. Wow. And should they finish level, there will be a playoff uh, Brilliant. For, for for the title. What happened in the weekend is Boca... Where were they? They'll have to hold that like in oh. Belgium or something <laughs> yeah. like that. No? I think it's, it's probably going to have to be behind closed doors again right. or something. But uh, Boca won at the weekend at Colón. Colón who have completely collapsed since making it to the um, Sudamericana Sounds final. Sounds like a medical <laughs> condition. <laughs> right? Hey, Christopher Columbus. You know, that's, right, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And Carlito Steves scored again uh, at oh, the nice. weekend. And uh, Juan Fernando Quintero equalised against the Defensa Justicia okay. at home. Defensa yeah. Justicia managed by Hernan Crespo. Hernan okay. Crespo, who is possibly perhaps being spoken of as the next manager of River Plate to, resp- to replace Gachardo once he, once he goes to Europe. He's looking very elegant these days, Hernan Crespo. Oh, Hernan Crespo has just always been elegant. Yeah, I bet. statue th- of a man, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he's in charge of a team called... Uh, uh, Defensa Justicia. Uh, Defense and Justice. Yeah, basically, in Argentina. Right. Um, are uh, they what? I mean, are they kind of like a legal profession works team or something? I mean, no, it's a genuine question. Crespo, 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 uh, I think Crespo. they're just, a, just, just, just quite a small side, basically. Right. Uh, Defense they, and Justice. Uh, I don't think they're 
related to the judiciary in any way. Okay. Maybe they were back back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Crespo only arrived there in January after the previous manager left over disagreement over basically players' sales. Um, and so far he's doing reasonably well. Of course, Erlan Crespo started off at River Plate. So he was very complimentary ahead of this weekend because he said, you know, playing Gachardo at the Monumental is like facing Nadal at Roland Garros. Very, very elegant way to pay compliments. Next weekend, though, we have Boca against Gimnasia La Plata. Gimnasia La Plata managed by one Diego Armando Maradona. Incredible. And you know what? Uh, basically, if you want to understand Argentina, yes. look at the Maradona show this season. So first of all, Maradona has done reasonably well at Gimnasia because um, the relegation in Argentina is based on three seasons and they've been kind of creeping up. So they will not... On the co it's effectively you divide the number of points by the number of games of the last three seasons but of course some teams are only up for one season so it becomes a really bit, little bit weird but they've crept up they don't concede many goals but everywhere he goes mm -hmm. like recently he went to Independiente they produce a throne for him a chair with a high back inscribed by something about Maradona he comes out he sits on his there's a ceremony I think at Independiente when they won 1-0 the game kicked off late because there was a huge crowd around him he was carrying around the World Cup I mean it is completely bonkers it's not the best video of Maradona from his season at, at that club well. we've all seen <laughs> incredible video the dance no not the dance oh. no, well the choreographed coaches dance yeah. whereby Maradona gets brought something to the bench and his coaches spot a camera focused on him when he's receiving this package on the bench and go into this incredible formation where one of them is always in front of the camera at one time until he's finished receiving his package and then they all majestically move away like a, a ballet dancing troupe. Right. Six, it is very, very clever. It's but, a fair play because not many coaches have to think about that when the game's going on, but they <laughs> were very much on the ball. So but so th these guys, uh, they actually won at the weekend 1-0 right. against Atletico Tucumán who are hosting River and a River win would give them the first title since 2014 Gachardo first domestic title as well so it's quite quite a big thing but the reason I mentioned Lika before is because oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get onto that maybe Precious Chan is just the intro so, <laughs> the, so every every season right. the system in the, in the top flight changes so this year they have 24 teams play 23 games and then they have the League Cup which is teams split into groups of 12 and they play 11 games each again and right. then that decides the um, the League Cup, there's a five, there's a playoff. That also decides the continental places and the relegation. Right. But what's decided now is the title. Okay. Oh, that's fabulous. I feel like I've just played in the final. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, that's it's an extraordinary it's, arcane system. It, 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 it really this is, is. Uh, look at flair football. That is Argentina. The three mm. seasons initiative was basically introduced to stop River Plate from getting relegated, yeah. and they got relegated anyway. Yeah. Many years later. <laughs> so, uh, oh, also. Russian football's back this weekend. Yeah, back this weekend. Um, probably the biggest game, actually, was uh, Zelko Bubic's uh, Dynamo Moscow. Zelko Bubic, obviously, the uh, former best mate of Jurgen Klopp. He's now gone to Dynamo Moscow as director of football. Okay. But Spartak put in quite impressive performance. Spartak managed by Domenico Tedesco. Remember him right. from the German yeah, days? Yeah, um, yeah. The 1-2-0. No. I mean, it was, it was a tussle between mid-table side, but mm. it was it was one that actually lived up to expectations. Komlichenko uh, signed from Lada Boleslav, yeah. hit the post and the bar yeah. for Dynamo Moscow. Yeah. But the season was up and running. We have VAR everywhere now in, in, in Russia. VAR at all the games. Wow. And, yeah. and last thing, yes. you can actually watch the whole league on YouTube. Yeah, because you can't watch it anywhere else. Is that right? <laughs> well, it looks like the, the global rights were messed up somehow, I think, in the aftermath of the World Cup 2018. Uh -huh. um, so now they're just putting the games out for free on YouTube. Amazing. So get involved. That's nice. Will they have VAR in MLS this season? Surely. Ooh, this don't season know. Just Do you know what? Uh, listen to Tuesday's Totally Football Show, Carl, because we'll be uh, speaking to our friend uh, Luis Miguel Echegaray about this weekend's uh, opening round of uh, MLS fixtures and 
I'll make sure to ask him that question, Carl. Fantastic. I just want to say the American uncivil VAR, and then let's just move on. Not on the show, but just... Oh, fantastic. All right, very much in the also this weekend file, we've got Palace's 1-0 win over Brighton and no goals whatsoever as Newcastle took on Burnley. Palace's win at Brighton, that's a big one, isn't it? Roy Hodgson's 100th game. Yep, should more or less secure Palace for another season of Premier League football. Jordan Ayew, again. Yes. It's weird whenever he just sort of switches on. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a Premier League footballer. Mm. Oh, yeah, my dad's... Oh, yeah, let me be good for like half a minute. And then the goal goes in. It's quite fun mm. whenever he remembers. Seventh Premier League goal of the season with an assist from Christian Benteke as well. Mm. Great ball as well. What a great uh, assist. Brighton, meanwhile, uh, had the most shots they've ever had in a Premier League game, 24, but yeah. failed to trouble the score sheet. Ten shots on target, which is the most of any side this any season, side season, two have not won the game. Oh, I see. Okay. Right, yeah. Uh, the sorry, ball. little punchline. Uh, yeah, yeah that, but that is Brighton. Same old story. Lots right. and lots of shots, but often from range because they can't quite be creative enough to create better ones. And even when they do create better ones, they miss them, like okay. Solly Marches. Or they hit their own man on the goal line, ah, like yes. Dunk's head at Morpe, which is extraordinary. Mm. More pain. <laughs> not even a shot hit off a teammate on the line in Newcastle's 0-0 with Burnley. I'm afraid. That's now four Premier League games without a goal for Newcastle. Joe Ellington is on over 2,000 minutes without a Premier League goal, which is impressive. You need support. Pair him up with Dwight Gale and see what happens. All right. Or does Bruce not play Dwight Gale? Was Dwight he, Gale he, started, he started up front this one, but he's not. that's just a selection thing. But obviously, he put Joe Ellington on the left wing, which is... I think Maverick, Maverick, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, Bruce obviously spoke on in his pre-match to say, well, you will now see a new attacking Newcastle. Hmm. Hasn't actually led with them scoring a goal yet, but wonders will not cease. I mean, it's new. (laughs) It's not improved. Perhaps their luck will turn this midweek. Daniel, when we head into the FA Cup, it's the fifth round of the world's most prestigious cup competition. The first time ever that it's been held in a midweek format, there will be no replays. Each tie will be decided on the night. Monday, intriguingly, we'll see Portsmouth, the lowest-ranked team in the competition, their third right now in League One, hosting Arsenal. It's the Gunners' last chance of silverware. Tuesday, it's Chelsea against Liverpool, or potentially their Cub Scout eleven, as Duncan Alexander dubbed them. Will it be a proper Liverpool side, do you think so? I think they have to go with a serious team here. Right, OK. That's going to be a big game then at Stamford Bridge. Reading are taking on Sheffield United that night. West Brom will be up against Newcastle. And then on Wednesday, you've got Leicester, who've never won the FA Cup, despite being in the final four times, taking on Birmingham. Gary Monk's Sheffield Wednesday hosts Man City and Spurs go against Norwich. And on Thursday, woof, Wayne Rooney's Derby County up against Man United. He'll be pumped for that. Will Man United be pumped for it, Carl? Oh, they have to be. It's going to be a very strange occasion of... Odd yeah. nostalgia because mm. Rooney's having the longer Manchester United go on without being successful, the more the Rooney revisionism happens. Or like, oh yeah, Rooney was amazing, and you just sort of forget that final four years where he kind of couldn't do it anymore. Um, so yeah, hopefully Manchester United will receive Rooney. Speaking of Thursday football, very very shortly we're going to be talking about the Europa League draw. What on earth Olympiacos are doing in it? And uh, some of the craziness that happened around the continent this weekend. Right now though. Let's get the odds on some FA Cup fifth-round matches from producer Ben with Paddy Power. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, it's all about the FA Cup this midweek, the fifth round, of course, and uh, the glamour tie is Chelsea at home to Liverpool. Not sure what sort of team Liverpool are going to put out, so what are the markets telling us on this one, please? 
<laughs> and boy, do I love a bit of glamour. The Liverpool lineup, as you reference, will play a big part in how the prices change pre-kickoff. For now, I can tell you that Chelsea start as favourites, but they're currently priced as better than evens at 11 to 10. That will all change if Liverpool stick out the kids. As it is, Klopp's men are given odds of 9 to 5. A draw after 90 minutes is rated at 3 to 1. Also on Tuesday, it's West Brom versus Newcastle. Is there going to be a cup upset here? Are Newcastle going to beat the baggies? Yeah, interesting. I wonder what impact West Brom's league defeat over the weekend will have on Slavin Village's priorities. But then again, Newcastle on a woeful run and absolutely there for the taking, aren't they? And that's probably why we make West Brom the favourites here at 6-4. to four. Although it is a very, very slight advantage we give them. Newcastle priced at 17-10. to 10. This one is on an absolute knife edge, we think. So there could be value in the draw, which is 11-5. to five. Q chaos. And finally, Lee, the Thursday night game. It's Derby versus Man United. Wayne Rooney taking on his old team. What's going to happen here, please? Blimey. This one's gone under the radar a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> Snarky comments aside, at least it gives us otherwise beige tie a bit of a hashtag narrative. Oh, was that snarky too? Oops. Uh, the match odds, you can probably guess. Man United are odds on favourites to win here at 2 to 5. Derby are a lengthy 5 to 1 to get the win. Extra time still looks fanciful at 3 to 1. But here's the betting market the whole world simply has to know. It's 3 to 1 that Wayne Rooney scores in this fixture. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddypower app. Prices are accurate at the time of recordings over 18 to only terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops, stop. Also this weekend, Chelsea won the Continental Cup final, which is not, disappointingly, in any way an international competition. No, it's sponsored by Continental Tyres. Right. They beat Arsenal 2-1, didn't they? They did at Nottingham Forest City grounds. Oh. Beth England scoring twice. Arsenal will be annoyed because they basically dominated the game and should have probably won by two goals never mind losing by one Emma Hayes was so delighted she can't wait to win this competition again oh no she said that it should be scrapped in favour of a bigger uh, women's super league mm-hmm. right is that fair get rid of the league cup yeah and Emma Hayes is not doing that to self-serve she's doing that because she genuinely believes it's for the good of the game I think yeah. it's fair to say get rid of the league cup I'm on board. Europa League, don't get rid of that. Make another one. Maybe call it the Europa Conference. In the meanwhile, we'll uh, we'll make do with the last 16, the draw for which was held last Friday. Uh, three British sides through, of course. Rangers, who will be facing Bayer Leverkusen. Rangers beat Braga, but then were knocked out of the Scottish Cup by Hearts on Saturday. And then Stephen Gerrard was making ominous noises about, I need to have some time to think about things. Man United, who will be up against Linz or Lask, as they're known in footballing terms. Carl, we're losing you here, I feel. They're, Are you no, excited no. about that draw? It's I, a 20,000-seater stadium. It is. With the running track. They're, they're currently top of the Austrian Bundesliga. They so are, five you're one. right, yeah. This hmm? weekend they won 5-1. Did they? Against two? Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. But, you know, it's a nice draw, I think, for me. It is. It's, it's, yeah. they, they avoided all the, the serious serious threats, I should say. Yeah. The Wolves, f- meanwhile, will be paying a visit to Boreas to take on Olympiacos. How remarkable is it that Olympiacos are still in the competition? Lol. Away goals and extra time is yeah. such a... Oh, it's a real gut punch, isn't that it? Was, I know that was last Thursday, and I'm sure a lot has been re- read about and said about it, but it was just an extraordinary match. From Pepe's beating a man four times without actually beating the man to the incredible scenes at the death. Yes, second, this is second-hand information because I wasn't there, but I was talking to someone at, at Tottenham today who was sat next to Amy Lawrence of, of The Athletic who said it kind of the last 20 minutes kind of felt 
preordained that everything that could have gone wrong almost like a film script went wrong in that they gave away the silly call at the end it's clear they, well, they get they free. get the goal yeah i mean uh, uh, and, then scores, it, yeah. and then there's this extraordinary moment when uh olympiacos float in a, a not particularly threatening cross and david louise just looks at it and goes not for me and moves away <laughs> but i actually yeah. think he did really well to get that cross in because he got nearly taken out nearly twice right on the way before he actually put the ball in and all this after Aubameyang has effectively won the game anyway. It was only a couple of minutes left and it still went wrong. And then he still has time to get a chance in the 122nd minute and 30 seconds or something like that. And anyway, well... Uh, Arsenal they can... fans, mm. the brightest spot of their week was Watford's victory. And there that's all I'll say about that. Alrighty. Well, we might have more on the draw in Tuesday's Totally Football Show, which will have a big Euro focus with Julian and Alvaro and uh, Rafael Honigstein and James Horncastle, uh, who will also be telling us about all sorts of other things like what happened and didn't happen in Serie A this uh, weekend, of course. And uh, we're going to be hearing, as I mentioned, from uh, Luis about the MLS. But we'll also get the story about the incredible scenes in the Bundesliga on Saturday. Bayern Munich, without Robert Lewandowski, was 6-0 up at Hoffenheim. But that wasn't the incredible bit. Uh, That came when play was stopped when Bayern fans unfurled unfurled, an offensive banner directed at the Hoffenheim owner Dietmar Hopp. Uh, essentially questioning his parentage. This is a bit of a tradition now, a growing tradition among uh, German fans. Union Sasha. Berlin did it today. Yeah, oh, they've, they've now they followed up. Union yeah. Berlin did it on Sunday. Right. But there have been some precedents with the uh, Borussia Dortmund fans. The, the, the thing here was that the, the game was actually suspended, the players were taken off, mm. and then eventually, when the referee blew for it to continue, I mean, it was 6-0, so it kind of it was the result was already settled they just spent the last 30 minutes chatting between themselves and passing the ball around it was just played out as a Manchester City home game <laughs> I mean there are many things to draw from this and it's nice that they stepped into um, of all of all the reasons right. to suspend the game yep. where you consider the many many foul instances we've seen in European football over the last 3 years alone well, this is the one. Yeah, this and, is the one you decide to make. Okay, fine. And there was a there was a, a racism incident in February in the Bundesliga where they didn't bring the players off. So that's what annoys rightly many people. Right. So yeah, this is the protocol that was brought in to counter racist abuse, and it it's was used to defend. It's the used to defend Hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, anyway, more on that in Tuesday's show. Uh, well, we'll be discussing. Uh, all the big stories from around the continent. For now, that's it for today. Many thanks to Daniel Story. Thank you. Have a safe journey home. Thank you. Carl, thanks for being with us as well. And Sasha, lovely to see you. Thanks, James. Uh, our thanks as well to producer Charlie. And, of course, to Emma Saunders for popping in earlier on to uh, really bring to life that Watford-Liverpool clash. We'll be back on Tuesday. Make sure you join us then. Listener, for now, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. I'm Andrew Slavin from the Totally Scottish Football Show and I'm here to tell you why you should be listening to our Scottish show. Number one, 
It's full of insightful knowledge on Scottish football like this. It looks to me as though they've spent all their time working on these things in training. We go on the pitch and then you just forget it, which happens with players who aren't very good. Number two, it's got Georgie Hatch's son. Number three, we get to talk about the spaghetti hag. Look into it, you should. Anyway, you'll find us every Tuesday morning ready to inform you on the greatest league in world football. Just search for the Totally Scottish Football Show and we'll be there every Tuesday. Marini's Media.